Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. I'm going to kick off this short uh, Rediscover Christmas um, mess, uh, theme over the next few weeks this morning with this, this, the, the conversation around discovering hope, discovering hope. Um, it was, it's brilliant timing to be talking about hope when we've just come back from somewhere like Rwanda because there's some tremendous stories of, of opportunity that's emerged through our involvement with those young people. But let's just look at what hope is and what it isn't for a, for a second. There are people in this room who are carriers of hope. You are carriers of the hope, the message of hope. And we mustn't lose sight of that. It's a privilege. You see, around us, there are people who are putting their hope in all sorts of different things. And some of those things are very, very fragile, let me tell you. You know, some people put their hope in sport. If you put your hope in Manchester United yesterday, you will have been disappointed. But some people, you know, they want their careers to, to be the shining memorial to who they are. Uh, you put your hope in your career, I think you're short-lived. Careers are not a place to put your hope. They're a place to work hard, as unto God, to do a good job. But don't build your hope on your career. Some people want to build their hope around the next holiday. You know, I'm looking forward. I know some people are planning a year in advance. And they live for that week in the Seychelles or, or that week in Bognor or, that, or wherever it may be. You know, that week camping somewhere or snowboarding, which is one of my favorite tricks. Um, but, you know, but we, we can't live for it. We can't build our hope around those, those things. It's just short term and they come and they go and things can go wrong. Some want to build their hope around wealth and possessions. And actually, um, it means that they, they don't want to give very much. They, they want to hold on to stuff because they want to build some sort of wealth and possessions for themselves. And, um, and that's not a great place. There's not a lot of hope in wealth, let me tell you. Um, let me also say that some people hope for the unexpected lottery tickets. And, you know, by chance, will, will something just land on my plate? They're hoping one day they'll win the lottery. It's a false hope. Some people are so caught up in the world and, and the desire to save the planet, and this is an honourable one, but they, without saving the planet, there's no hope for mankind. I've heard that a lot on the news recently. The hope of the world is in saving our planet. Well, it's an honourable thing, and we need to look after it, but, but eternal hope is not attached to our planet in that way. Um, you know, some people want to live their dreams to their kids, and their hope is that their kids will do what they never did. That's a false hope, let me tell you. And if you start wanting to live your dreams to your kids, you'll probably damage your kids because the, your kids need to find out their own journey in life and discover what is right for them before God. So you build yourself up with hope in these areas and it can come crashing down. And for some, it has done. And for many in this room, perhaps you've seen failures in these areas. Polling station, politics. Some people put their hope in our next prime minister to save the day. Well, I think there's two contenders, and I've got to tell you, I don't hold out much hope for either one of them, if I'm really honest. I wouldn't bank my future on either of them. But, um, um, you know, the reality is, what is it we live for? You know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your hope is massive. If you're not a follower of Christ, if you don't really know him, what hope have you got? Is your hope to get through next week? Is your hope to get through two weeks or this year? You're hoping maybe something good will happen? Let me tell you this. 
that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have an eternal hope that comes with it. We get a short-term opportunity to discover God's plan for us in his kingdom, but we get the, the guaranteed surety of an eternal hope. It's amazing what God does. It says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you don't get what you want, you feel down in the dumps. You get disappointed. You feel depressed. You feel because we set our hopes in the wrong place. That's what happens. We put our, we put our hopes in the wrong place and our hopes let us down. And then we blame God or blame somebody or a system or something in the world. And we've got a lot to say about that. But the truth is we should have a different perspective. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Life's battles, Romans 5, or 7 verse 1. Paul wrote this here, the great apostle Paul. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. You wouldn't believe you'd read that about the apostle Paul. The great apostle Paul who, who was an apostle who knew Christ and changed the world in so many ways because of his understanding and his boldness could, could confess that he actually used to get things wrong. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, that's Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We're not just in the world, doing a journey in the world. We're in a spiritual world where there is a spiritual enemy, where there's an enemy who is fighting against the, the well-being of humanity uh, and fighting God's purposes and plans. You say, oh, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, be sure about it. It happened on Friday in London, on London Bridge. You saw an expression of sin. You saw an expression of the corruption in the world caused by the enemy at work in people's hearts and lives. The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. That comes from hope. That comes from not just hope in the idea that there's God, but hope because you put your faith in something that's real. You've chosen to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've chosen to put your faith and your trust in God. So you read the Bible. You begin to pray. You build confidence. You understand there's an eternity. You understand there's purpose for you. Then your hope is built stronger and stronger and stronger. That is not the pattern in this world. This world does not have that pattern. It is scrapping around, trying to get answers, solve problems in its own way. It's selfish often. It's self-centered. Um, people do things with agendas all the time. Look at the Prince's Trust research. Uh, there was some research done last year of UK uh, young people, 16 to 25s, and it said that they're unhappier than they've ever been. Over the last 10 years, their well-being is at its lowest point. This is our young people. This is our next generation that we are seeing come through society. Um, when asked how they felt, this relatively sizable survey discovered that 61% feel regularly stressed. Why are they regularly stressed? Where's the pressure coming from? Is it coming from their families? Is it coming from their schools? Is it coming from society's expectation on them? Our, our children, our young people are losing their youth. They're losing it to all sorts of different things. They're losing it. 53% feel anxious. Anxious as a young person. Life's ahead of them. There's the opportunity to discover things that they've never discovered before. And yet they're regularly stressed and anxious in the majority. And really worrying, according to the research, hugely worrying is that 27% feel hopeless on a regular basis. They hopeless. They feel hopeless. Hopeless is a big word. Hopeless means I've got no hope. 
I've lost my sense of purpose. I, I, there's nothing worth living for. That's what hopelessness is. I'm down about things. I may become depressed about things. I'm disappointed in situations and circumstances. That's what hopelessness is. And our society, our next generation, now more than ever, is coming up with a third of them feeling hopeless on a regular basis. They haven't even left home, perhaps. Or they may, maybe they have, and they're just struggling to get by. And of those, 47% say that they've experienced a mental problem already in their life. That's the next generation. When we're older, and we're maybe not even here in a few years, that's the generation that's going to lead this nation. We have got it in our power to bring the kingdom of God into that world. That's why our young people and the work they do is so special. What Luke and Amy Lear and, and Alex and Hannah and Sophie and the other guys, uh, you know, they work so hard to, to just build those young people up, to encourage them, to help them to understand they do have a hope. There is an opportunity in front of them. If they put their faith in Jesus Christ, that hope is theirs. And that hope comes into them. And hopefully they will affect their their friends and the people they know. And that's why I'm so glad we're getting more into the schools. And I hope we can expand that. I hope that ministry can grow as we see more access to schools come around. Hope is so important. Without it, your life becomes very small. And in fact, it goes downhill rapidly. When people lose hope, they lose their ability to dream for the future. We want people who can dream big dreams. We want people who can think and see outside of their their situation. Despair will replace joy. Fear will replace faith. Anxiety replaces uh, prayer. Insecurity replaces confidence. Tomorrow's dreams are replaced by nightmares, a writer once wrote. That's incredible. That's what happens when we lose hope. And maybe you're in a journey in your life and you've lost hope yourself. Maybe you feel like, what have I got to live for? You know, you see nothing but negativity. You know what? God has given us the power to overcome the world. I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. God has given all of that to us. He gives it to us. It's an incredible thing. God in Scripture is is spoken of as the source of all hope. Romans 15, 13. Paul the Apostle wrote, I pray that that God, the source of all all hope will give you joy and peace. Is actually what he said in, in, the, in the book to the Romans, letter to the Romans. It says in Matthew 20, uh, 12, 21, his name will be the hope of all the world, referring to Isaiah. And that's where we are right now. Christmas. Jesus came to be the hope of the world. And as we go into Christmas this season, there are hundreds and thousands of people without a lot of hope. They're hoping to get by. They're hoping things will turn out. They're hoping you know, in their own way. But actually, they haven't got hope that we understand. We've got a hope that's sure and steadfast and certain. It's brilliant. It makes me want to sing songs every time I come out with those lines because some, some of the choruses we know. A promise of hope. Ephesians 1.18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called As we unite with Christ in faith, as we trust in him, we get this incredible confidence of hope. If we take our eyes off Christ, your hope starts to go dim. You start to lose confidence. Why? Because our hope is in what Jesus Christ has done for us. If we we try and get our hope from some other source, we will end up going 
into the dirt. We'll grind down or things will get to us. It's because we're putting our hope in the wrong place. In fact, in Scripture, it says quite often, put your hope in. You may not remember that, but it says it in Scripture, put your hope in. So you all have a measure of hope. Put it into what God is doing. Put it into God's plans. Put it into building up. Without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. Or hope. Rick Warren. Our faith is, is developed as we discover hope. As we understand it, as we realize hope is being made available to us, our faith comes alive. Our trust in Christ becomes a reality and we begin to live different lives. That's why people who are filled with hope will have a different journey. If you have no hope, you're on one journey. When you're filled with hope, your journey changes direction. Things look different when you have hope. Things take on a different complexion. Your experiences are different when you live in hope. When you don't live in hope, your experiences become different. You see things negatively. You see things critically. You see things as a waste or, or a loss. Or When we live in hope, we see everything as an opportunity. We see it with potential. We build people up when we've got hope. When we haven't got hope, we pull people down. We criticize, we criticize people when we haven't got hope. When we've got hope, when we know that God's in control, then we launch ourselves forward. I'm just going to reflect on Rwanda. Again, it's a, a personal one now. In the video that we saw earlier, you would have seen a shot where all these young people in Project 255 came up. In fact, they came up a path. It was a great, the actual longer video is brilliant. They all come snaking their way up the path and, and they, they met us at the top of the hill there. Um, this is a Saturday morning and all the Compassion Kids, uh, these are all sponsored children, by the way, uh, and their income levels, the family income levels are down at level one, the lowest level in the country. And, uh, and Compassion require them all to attend school on a Saturday morning. And you know, they love it. They absolutely love it. They arrive early, they spend all morning and they have lunch together and, and in the early afternoon they go home. But in those mornings they learn about who they are, learn about subject matter, but importantly they understand who God is. They start to build their hope about the future. It's incredible. So many of the kids love that, that time. Now when we first arrived at 255, it's the first project location we went to, um, this young, these young people came up, and I had a hunch, well, I was pretty certain, that the little girl we sponsor, Honorine, was in the crowd. But I, I was so busy with other things, I hadn't noticed where she is. I knew she was little. She's very small for her age. She's seven, um, but looks younger than that in terms of height. And I was saying to the, the guys who were leading, Eugene, who was the coordinator, I said, can you, can you call out the kids that are sponsored? Because I want to really see little Honorine. Um, now, the reason I'm putting this up on the screen is because God's love is always looking to find us in the crowd. God is looking for us in the crowd. He's looking for you in the crowd. He's, he's wanting to be with you. And while we were out there, I preached one Sunday, and I, I used that example of, of the crowd and how God calls people by name out of the crowd. And this was a living example of it. And I'm thinking, where is little Honorine? Where is she? And then Eugene, I think it was, said he started to call out the names. And then she wove through the front row, and I saw these little hands. Now, she's got no mum and dad. She's an orphan. And she's little, and so she's not brimming with confidence. So I immediately went down one knee, and I went, oh, the reed! And she came out and ran across, gave me this whopping great big hug. It was like I was her dad. 
And it was a great moment. And in some ways, I kind of am helping in, in that way. And um, she just didn't want to let go of my hand at all. It was just such an endearing moment. God's love finds us in the crowd. It's a perfect illustration. God just says, come to me from the crowd. Come to me. He's looking for us. And maybe there's someone here today that you've never made the decision to trust in Jesus fully with all your heart. Today, God would say to you, come to me. I'm looking for you. Come and make that decision. In Psalm 78, verse 7, it says, Each generation should set its hope anew on God. Each generation set its hope anew on God. Why? We've got to make these decisions. God is looking for us, and it was so brilliant to spend time with little Honoree. And you see the photo on the right. She was getting really comfortable with me, hand on the shoulder. It was such a great moment. I've now got an extra member of my family. So. But... Um, you know, many of the team had the same experience as well. It was just such a special time. Um, N.T. Wright says, Hope is what you get when you suddenly realize that a different worldview is possible. You know, this is a scholar. This is an academic scholar writing this, a Christian. Hope is what you get when you suddenly realize there's a different worldview, that a different worldview is possible. I'm going to share with you a, a story about a young man who... Is, has been part of the Compassion Program. He had a very, very difficult start in life. Um, he had a condition uh, when he was born that made his skin very pale, and so he looked different to all of his friends. And as a result of that, his family rejected him pretty much from the day he was born. And, uh, and then another family took, took him on. And he, uh, we're going to just see a little video in just a moment of his own testimony. We've cut it down. It was impromptu. It was a random opportunity. We were having dinner, and he was asked to share his story. So uh, Rene, um, this is Rene. Rene has a story to tell. You see, and you're about to watch it, but the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. That's what God does. He's the expert at it. It's not just some religious thing. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I'm starting to choke up because I know his story already. You see, God not only calls us, but he uses, he uses us as hands and feet. So we become the bearers of hope for people. we bearers of the good news and good actions. That's what happens. So I'm going to ask the guys at the back to play Rene's story, and I'll step to one side. So the first day I was born, I was rejected to my parents. I have never had an experience with my parents. So they rejected me on the hospital. My childhood was very, very tough. Like they was, they was having the, the big house for them, and there was another small house in the, in the, in the behind, the house for cows. So I was living in the same house with the cows, because they was never been proud to share to, to me. So they kept me in the house for three years. So no one in the neighborhood knows that I was I was there. I had no vision, I had no dream, I had no hope for anything. Even the compassion, well, how they said, they select the children to be part of the program. They come, they ask, do you have some a child who need to be sponsored? They say, we don't have any person, because they never consider me like a person. That's how my story was. There's no one give me a chance. To win this life, I have never had an experience of chaos of my mother, my father, or my siblings. So, 
I have no, I have never experienced love. So they give me shorts. They give me clothes. Remember, I didn't have anything because they never bought it for me. So they feed me. Two thousand ch children, black children in Arbino, they always crowd me. They mock to me. They segregate me. My teachers segregate me. That was an experience. I had an opportunity to to know what the plan of God about me. I give myself to my love to Christ. I come to understand how the love of God is that deep, deep far from what I can understand. It starts going well. For sure, it starts going well. With my sponsors, with the, the compassion program, I passed away my primary school, I went to high school, I passed away my mass. After the, uh, I got a good mass, I get uh, a public scholarship for university. They select among the many, they select on my batch, we it was, the applicant was 600, they took only 25. So I was the first in my batch. So, you so I went to university, I took clinical psychology, I covered away, I have higher first class in the university. I was rewarded for by the chancellor, the minister, I was celebrated, so it went well. Today, uh, I'm the head of the family who rejected me, not adopted me. Mm. After the, all the things, after getting saved and the heat in the heart and that inner reconciliation, I come to approach my family who rejected me. Yeah. I sit them, I consult with them. I'm now the head of my family. Yeah. It's an incredible story. An incredible story of hope. That hope is possible because of the gospel. It's not hope because of someone made up an idea. It's because of the love of God and the willingness of Jesus Christ to give his life for people to find hope, to put their faith in him. It's an incredible story. He described himself as having a disability. He's one of the brightest people I think I've met, actually, as it happens. Um, but it's incredible because of what he looked like. And it was an incredible experience to meet him and it was one of those moments where your perspective changes. You realize how people battle through what they battle through. And this young man, um, what was incredible, he, you know, he's, he's born, his, his family reject him. He then gets semi-adopted, I guess, and he's made to live in a, in a cattle shed for three years. Away from society, away from other people. I mean, that's not, <laughs> twice. That's first parents and then... These new parents, rejected really. But then he finds compassion. He finds um, an opportunity because people are willing to do something about the hope they carry. And in that, he heard God's call. And what an incredible outcome. To, to do well at school and to go to the scholarship, to get to university, to get a first is incredible. And then to hear how God in his redemptive plan for René brought him into a situation where he was able to reconcile with his mother. His father, we think, died during uh, the genocide um, and one or two of his siblings. But uh, he re reconnected with his birth mother and now he is head of the household. He provides for his family. He provides despite their rejection. That's the story of redemption, isn't it? That's the, that's the redemptive nature of what Jesus Christ has done for us. 
That's what, this is such an incredible story. And there are many more like it in some ways, but the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And you know what? He, he's now becoming the kind of go-to person as an advocate for people with disabilities in Rwanda, how they can succeed. And, uh, you know, it's just incredible. We, we try to encourage him to have his story written. Maybe someone make a film about it. It would be brilliant if in some way we could help out with that. I don't know if that would be possible, but it's something we'd love to look at. But it's incredible what God can do. You see, God is the source of hope. He's the source of hope. And sometimes we get frustrated with situations. We get frustrated in relationships. Because we're putting our hope in the wrong things, we're taking our eyes off Christ. He provides everything we need for life and godliness because he's the source of our hope. He promises a great future. Proverbs 13, 12 summarizes hope. He said, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled, fulfilled is a tree of life. So one, this is going to the scripture that Prince actually referred to earlier. 1 Peter 1, 13, put all your hope in the glorious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. What could God do with us? We are, we are hope carriers, let me tell you. Every one of us, as we go into our workplaces, into our schools, into our colleges, into the community, we invite someone to come to a, a Rediscover Christmas event, just a carol service. All we've got to do is say, would you like to come? Would you like me to pick you up? My life group are organizing an event. Would you like to be involved in it? We start to reach out and give people the potential of discovering hope. What an exciting object. We're hope carriers. So it's important for us not to let ourselves get down and negative and frustrated. Lift ourselves up. Look at Christ. Put our faith in him who goes before us. We're filled with God's spirit. We have the ability to rise up through every circumstance. We need to do that. We need to carry ourselves into challenges of life, knowing that there's a hope in front of us. Because God's not only given the hope to us, but he's given it to us to share with others. And, you know, as we come to the end of the preach, we're going to go straight into our giveaway offering. But before we do, and while Shegan's playing, I think I'd just like us to close our eyes. I just want to reflect for a moment on, on our hope at a personal level. Maybe today, as I've been speaking, you've been thinking, well, I'd, I'd like to have certain hope. I'd like to be certain about my future. I'm not entirely certain because I know about Jesus Christ. I know about Christianity, I know about these things, but, but I'm not sure about my future. I'm not, I'm not certain. I have an uncertainty about eternity. I don't know if I will go to heaven if I die tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know if, if that will happen. But maybe you're thinking that we can change that. We can change that right now because we can pray and we can ask God to welcome us into his kingdom. And if that's you and you'd like to make your future certain and establish a solid hope for eternity, pray this prayer with me. You can pray it quietly in your heart. You can pray it out loud if you like. But just pray this prayer with me. Repeat these words with me. Father, thank you for Jesus' great love. Thank you that you have given us all hope. And today, I choose to put my trust in what Jesus has done for me. I want certain hope about my future. I want to live by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.